Amen, amen. Come on, you're glad to be in the house today. We're thrilled that you're here. Welcome to week two of Rattled, week three of snow. Unbelievable. Um, I was telling somebody this morning, it reminds me of um, uh, several years ago, we were meeting in Riverbend High School, and it's like week after week, and back then we didn't have live stream or anything, so we just went dark for Sundays, like there was nothing, I thank God, at least for technology, nothing like being in the house, um, there's nothing like gathering, actually the church is a gathering, we're going to talk about that in March, um, but nothing like being together, but I'm thankful for technology on days like this when we need it, and, um, and so if, you're, if this is your second week in the series, you got perfect attendance, so way to go, you're accomplishing something right there, it's going to be a great day as we continue in this study in James in James and um, and so on your way to your seat in your house tell somebody hi if you're by yourself text somebody say get online right now the word's going to be good and uh, we're going to jump into the word of God today all right we're studying in this book of James and if you're unfamiliar with it it's in the New Testament and uh, James has a whole lot to say that is super practical it's one of the most practical books in all of the Bible. And, um, and so there's just a lot of good handles. Now we could spend so many weeks in this series, but we're just gonna spend four. And, and really, if you're new to church, a series is just simply a collection of talks. It's where we get around one theme, one idea, and we talk about it for several weeks and look what God has to say on it. And, um, and so we're gonna do that today as we continue in this series. Let's, let's pray real quick. Father, we pray that you would open our hearts and minds that we receive everything you wanna say to us in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen. How many of you know that there are some decision moments in your life that are defining moments? They're, they're like life-shaping moments, they're destiny-shaping moments. Um, you know, one of those is, uh, is the moment that I decided to go to Shakers with Tammy. Shakers Restaurant, Lynchburg, Virginia. Come on, somebody. And um, got the... Uh, um, chicken salad with, on an on a English muffin with cheese and sweet potato fries. And now here we are 20 Valentines later. Come on, somebody. 20 val- Happy Valentine's Day, babe. I thank God for you. But decision-making moments are, are big moments. Remember, like, the, the moment you decided where you're going to go to college, potentially, um, that's, a, that's a defining moment, right? Because you made friends, you, you formed relationships that maybe are still impacting your life to this day. Um, who, you, who you marry, that's a big destiny-shaping moment. Um, I think about um, where you work. That could be a destiny-shaping thing because that, that door of career could lead to another thing, to another thing. Um, the relationships, where you move in. How many of you ever moved into a neighborhood and you made a friend and that was a relationship that really made a difference in your life? And it was just one decision. You decided to buy a house, but it shaped so many other things in your life. You have these destiny these life-shaping moments. And what I have found is often in the moment, you don't know that it's really shaping the rest of your life. That, that you, you just bought the house. You didn't think this is gonna be the thing that shapes the rest of my life. You were just trying to get out of an apartment. Come on, somebody. You just wanted to not give rental money to somebody. You, you didn't know it was gonna shape your death. You just thought that's where everybody else is going to school and that's where I'll go to school. You didn't know it was gonna shape your destiny. You just thought she was hot. Come on, somebody. You didn't know it was going to shape your destiny. You just wanted a date. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? And so these are destiny. And I want to give you a question today that I think is a life-altering, life-shaping decision. 
And to give you a question, and I think James gives us some, some insight into this, but it is, I promise you, and you may not see it right now, and, and you may not think it when you see the question, but I'm telling you, it is a, a life-shaping question and the answer to it, the decision you make will we'll alter your life. It'll shape your life for the rest of your life. It, it'll even, I would go as far as to say this, it'll determine the level of God involvement in your life. It'll determine the level of blessing in your life. It'll determine the level of fulfillment in your life. The answer to this one question I'm going to give you, and, and we're going to look at it in the last half of the book of James. So here it is. If you're a note taker, you need to write this down. If you're not, you need to write it, write it down. Here, here's the question. This is it. It's this question. What is the foundation on which I will build my life? Let me say it again. What is the foundation on which I will build my life, not inform my life, not think about my life, not um, every so often consider and maybe make a little adjustment in my life, but I'm talking about what will be the bedrock. If I had to dig the footer of my life that I'm gonna build everything else on, it's gonna shape my thinking, it's gonna shape my behaving, it's gonna shape what I do in life, it's gonna shape decisions I make in life, it's gonna shape who I marry, when I marry, it's gonna shape how I manage my money, it's gonna shape how I manage finances, it's gonna shape how I respond to a pandemic, it's gonna shape how I think about racial injustice, it's going to shape how I think about an election. It's going to shape how I think about career choices. It's going to shape how I think about should I go left or should I go right? This one, I'm not talking about, I'm just going to, I'm talking about the foundation on which I build my life. And all of you have made this decision, whether it is out of volition or out of just happenstance. You've decided to let something be the foundation on which you build your life. And I'm gonna go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. I'm gonna to propose today that the word of God should be the foundation on which you build your life. Here, let me say it this way. You will either build your life on the world or you'll build your life on the word. There's really no in-between. I wish that I could give you an in-between. You're like, that sounds extreme. No, no, you will either build your life on the world because the world is communicating a standard. The world is communicating a way of thinking. The world is communicating presuppositions. The, the world is communicating what they propose to be true. And so you will either build your life on that or you will build your life on what God has said is the principles, are the ways to think. You'll either build it on the word or you'll build it on the world. Yeah, you have a choice to make. You'll either build it on the world or you'll build it on the world. And I wanna, I wanna propose to you this, that since the beginning of time, the enemy of your soul has been trying to get you to build your life on the world and not the word. Matter of fact, in the Garden of Eden, whenever Adam and Eve uh, began to be tempted, Eve was there and the serpent come. And, and what was the first thing that he, that, he, that he proposed to her? His first phrase was this, did God really say... In other words, his first thing was, I'm going to go after the word. God had spoken, don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you will die. And he goes, did God really say? Does God really expect you to forgive those who offend you? Do I really have to live that way? Did God really say that? 
pride goeth before destruction as a haughty spirit before a fall. Did he really say I'm supposed to live with humility? Did he really say I'm supposed to love my enemies and do good towards those who do evil towards me? Did God really say, do I really have to live by this standard or is there something else I can live by? Can I bend God's word to fit my feelings? Or do I really have to bend my life to fit God's word? I love what David said in the Psalms. He said, my soul is weak from waiting for you to save me. My hope is based on your, come on, say it out loud, on your, come on at home, say it, on your, my hope is on your word. My, My hope isn't in anything else. My hope isn't in in my 401k. My hope is not in the White House. My hope is not in what's going on economically. My hope is not in what's going on socially. My hope is not in my education. It is not in my accomplishments. It is not in the house I live in or the car I drove here today. My hope is in the word. Everything else is fleeting. The the flower may wither and the grass may, but, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Can I just tell you something? Philosophers have come and gone, but the word is still standing. Political figures have come and gone, but the word is still standing. Are you following me? Governments have come and gone, but the word is still standing. Civilizations have come and gone, but the word is still standing. My hope is not on anything that can fade away. Why would you build your life on such shaky ground? I have to build it on the word. I love what Matthew said. He said, everyone who hears these words of mine, he's recording Jesus and puts them into practice, is like a wise man. I wanna help you be wise. I wanna help you build a house on a rock. I want want you to build a house on the rock so that when the pandemic came and the economic collapse came and the people walked out on you and people stabbed you in the back, it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. What was the rock? It was on putting into practice the word of God. Here's why so many people were shaken in this season. They had built their house on sand, built their house on, on their hope was in their savings account. The hope was in that, that everything was going well and everybody liked them and, and their hope was in their job and then they got laid off. Jesus says, there's a way to live. There is a way you can live that no matter rain comes, streams rise, winds blow, beat against the house, you won't fall. You won't fall because your life is built on the rock. Are y'all with me? So I'm gonna give you three things today as it pertains to, I think, our attitude towards the word. I think it's important your attitude towards the word of God or, or how you approach it, or let me say how you see it. And I think this is what James teaches us. You're like, I thought we were in James. We've been in Psalms and Matthew. Uh, we're getting there. We're, we're gonna walk through the last half of the chapter of James. We started in James one last time. We were starting James chapter one, verse one last week. We're starting James one, verse 16 today. And I wanna give you three 
attitudes or three perspectives or, or three ways that, that you should think about the word of God. And, and the first attitude is this, is that we should have the attitude of gratitude. We should have the attitude of gratitude. Here's what James says. He says, do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above. This is where we left off last week. Coming down from the father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Listen to this. He chose to give us birth through the, through the word of truth. He, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He gave to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. I say that we should have gratitude for the word because it is through the word that salvation came. Now, I'm not, I understand that, that through Jesus is what bought our salvation, but it was the word that exposed our need for Jesus and led us to a place of salvation. It, without the word, I wouldn't know that my sins separated me from God. Without the word, I wouldn't know that there was a savior. Without the word, I wouldn't know that I could have forgiveness of sin, healing from my yesterday, victory for all of my tomorrows, I wouldn't know without the word that I have a purpose set out for me, that God has a plan for my life that is good if I didn't have the word. My, listen to this, my faith never would have been able to be activated without the word. The, the Bible says this, it says that, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So without the word of God, I couldn't have heard what I needed. And if I hadn't heard it, my faith never could have been activated. So my faith, the fact that I get to have faith in God is because the word. It's because the word came about. It's not just a nice little book. I, I'm, here's, here's my goal today is I want you to fall in love with the word. I want you to fall in love. I want you to wake up every day and go, God, I thank you for the word. I thank you you haven't left in me directionless in this life. I thank you that you haven't left me without hope in this life. I thank you when the storms of life come, I have a source I can go to. I can open this book and not only do I read it, but I found that it reads me. I have found that it speaks to me in ways that are deep that no one else can speak to me. I found out that whenever I have joy, I can go to the word. When I'm in pain, I can go to the word. When I don't have direction, I can go to the word. When I'm wondering about life circumstances, I can go to the word. Whenever I need financial advice, I go to the word. When I need relational advice, I go to the word. I just want you to fall in love with the word. I want you to think, I want you to pick up this book and, and you have gratitude in your heart. I'm, I'm all for, I, I read, I got, a, I got a couple of Bible apps, but I like, like I'll cut you if you try to get this one. You can take my phone, I'll go get a new one. Are y'all with me? You take my iPad, I'll go get a new one. I would get back on a plane and fly back to the hotel to get this one. Actually, I don't take it with me anywhere. <laughs> I'm afraid I'll lose it. I've, I've got the, this is my second one. My very first preaching Bible is in my office in a sealed box. 
It, it, it no longer would stay together. I had duct taped it. I had electrical taped it. I had, and, and it's all marked up. And, and this one's fairly new. It's fairly new. It's probably eight years old. But I just love the word. I love the word. It, it, was, it was the word. It was, it, was, it was the word that, as I watched my dad pass, gave me hope. It was the word. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It didn't make it hurt any less, but when he breathed his last and we were all in the living room around him, I had joy. I didn't mourn like everybody else because I had the word. It was the word that has sustained me many moments over the last 15 years of planting this church. It was the word that that said the, the fields are wide unto harvest, but the laborers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest that made me think we need to train laborers. It's the word that gave birth to a college. It's the word that gave birth to a church. It's the word, are you following me? It's the word that's given me direction in life. It's the word that has let me know that some things only come out by prayer and fasting. It is, it's the word. I'm just so grateful because where would I be without the word? I would be taking Facebook polls without the word. I would be going all over town every, asking everybody their opinion without the word. I would be directionless without the word. It's been a lamp unto my feet and it's been a light unto my path. It has guided me for decades now. Where would I be without the word? I can't imagine if you live a life that is without the word. The word has saved me from heartache. The word has saved me from pain. The word has saved me from making bad choices because I found out in here that in the multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. And so I sought wisdom and I found out that if I would ask for wisdom, God would give it liberally because he's not a respecter of person. And so I'm a 29 year old being a senior pastor of people that are 30, 40, 50 years older than me. And I prayed and God gave me wisdom and the word let me know that. And so I'm grateful for the word. I want, you to fall, I want you to fall in love with the word. My dad used to tell me when I was a kid, he would say, Daniel, the Bible is the word of God. And as you grow up, people will try to tell you it's not, but don't believe them. Because it is the very breathe word of God into us. I want you to be grateful for the word. James said it was the word of truth that made us the first fruits. It's the word. Paul said it's by faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. It's what you anchor your, your faith to. Number two is that we should have an attitude of humility. An attitude of humility. Here's what the Bible says. James goes on to tell us in verse 19. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Boy, do we need this right now. Don't worry, next week we're going to do the whole Sunday on that. Some of y'all are like, ah, I already feel under the weather next week. <laughs> because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. This is why. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and listen to this, and humbly accept the what? 
Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can what? It can save you. You see the contrast, anger can't save you, but if you'll humbly accept the word, it can save you. But it takes a heart of humility. We, 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 we like to, there's in, in, in progressive circles right now, just to be real honest, there's this idea of deconstructing our faith. You know what that is? That is some of the Bible, I don't like how it makes me feel, I don't wanna submit to it, so I'll make it and twist it to say something else it doesn't really say. But James says, no, we are to humbly accept that we're to get rid of the moral filth and the evil. The things that don't honor God, we're not to twist the word to make us feel good about them. We're to get rid of them out of our life and humbly accept the word that God wants to plant into our heart. You know what that means is that sometimes you will open up this book and it will say some things you don't like. But the answer isn't to go, how do I make it say what I like? The answer goes, how do I make my life line up with what it says? I know, I know this is like old school preaching, but I'm just telling you, I'm watching lives fall apart and they wouldn't if they would obey the word. And I'm, I'm watching pain in people's life. You could completely avoid if you would just obey the word. And I'm watching heartache in your life that you don't have to have if you would obey the word. And I'm watching destructive patterns that don't have to be that way if you would just obey the word. And so there'll be moments where I look at it. I, I, I like what Tim Keller, he's a theologian and pastor in New York City, and he's written, written some incredible books. If you can read anything he's written, I would. But I love what he says. If our God never disagree with you, if your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. That's so strong, but it's so true. You might just be worshiping an idealized version of you. Here's what Thessalonians says. It says, we thank God continually because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Somebody shout, accepted. You accepted it. Listen to this. Not as the word of men, but actually as it is. But pastor, I thought a bunch of men wrote this. Well, Paul said, you accepted it actually is, not just words written by men. It was men inspired by the Holy Spirit. So God breathed through them. God, through their hand, recorded his words to us. Which is at work in you who believe. This is a critical verse. At work in you who believe. The word only works when you work the word. Some people are like, well, I've tried that before. I've read that. It doesn't work for me. No, no, no. Listen to me. The, the word only works when you work the word. Well, I've, I've read the verse about, you know, God will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that's too great for us to handle. But yeah, you, you may not have worked the first part. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and then see. Or you got to work the word for it to work in your life. Are, are y'all with me today? You've got to work it for it to work. It's at work in you who believe. That's why you 
could look at people in your life and go, man, God just seems to really work in their life. God is at work in those who believe. What is the evidence of faith? It is evidenced in my behavior. It is evidenced in my action. Is it evidenced in my speech? Not just I have an intellectual assent and an understanding of the text. It is that it's made its way into my heart and has lived itself out in my behaviors. That is the evidence of belief. And so the God, the word is working in those who work the word. And so the word will confront you. The word will confront an ever-changing culture. It always has. This isn't anything new. It confronted a Roman culture. It confronted a Hellenistic culture. Are y'all following me? Like it's confronted every culture throughout time and eternity. It's not like, oh, in the 20th century now, the word doesn't line up with the culture we live in. It never has. We've always been a peculiar people. That's why he said, come out from among them and be ye different, says the Lord, because when we work the word, I like the way my pastor says it. He says, the sign of a, let me phrase this correctly. The sign of a God-changed heart is I like for God to tell me how to live. That's strong. Let me say that again. The sign of a God-changed heart is that I like for God to tell me how to live. That's what the word does. The word tells you how to live. The word confronts. And so what did James say? James said, hey, anger doesn't lead to anything. It doesn't lead to the righteousness you want. And so get rid of the moral filth and the evil and humbly accept. Accept. He didn't say humbly agree. Sometimes you have to agree, accept before you agree. That's what humility is. That's what submission is. I know this is like, this message is full of all the things we all like. Submission, humility, (laughs) surrender. It's like all the great words we love. But sometimes I accept it before I feel it. Often I accept it. Why? Because God said it. And in that moment, my opinion does not matter. My perspective does not matter. God isn't asking for a listening session with me. He has spoken. Are you following me? He doesn't care about what I think. He doesn't care about my experience up to that moment. When God has said a word, I obey the word in full surrender. I humbly accept it. I begin to live it out. I wrestle through it. This is why Paul said, work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. Why? Because there'll be things that come up against what you feel. There'll be things that come up against what you like. There'll be things that come up against the way you've been raised. There'll be things that come up against what are on the media. There'll be things that come up against what you were taught in college. But I humbly accept the word. In humility, I accept the word. Are y'all with me? All right, let me give you one more as James close out chapter one. My, my first attitude that I'm gonna have is an attitude of gratitude. God, I'm thankful for the word. I love the word. Next time I'm gonna have an attitude of hunger. God, I'm, I'm hungry or I'm humbled. I'm humbled. Attitude of humility. Number three is I'm gonna have an attitude of hunger. I'm gonna have an attitude of hunger for the word. 
that God, I, I, I want to, I wanna, like, a, like a nice filet mignon I, every day. Come on, I want some meat of the word. I want to pull up to the king's table and I want to eat every day of my life. I, I want to get off the I want to get off the elementary, the milk of the word. I, I want to get onto something. God, give me some meat of the word. I love this verse. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Hey, just because you've gone to every Bible study that was ever offered, don't be deceived that that means you're living a different life. But do what it says. Love your neighbor. Return the tithe. Find your purpose and serve in it. Serve the needs of the poor. Like actually do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not, what, does not do what it says is like someone who looks at himself in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. The, the Bible is saying, and it's often referred to this, that the word of God is a mirror. I don't know if y'all have noticed, but I'm letting my hair grow out and I hate it, but Tammy likes it. And uh, she says it looks less gray on stage, so I'm going for that. <laughs> but uh, when I get up now in the morning, it looks like I'm a, like a peacock. Like it's like all over the place. Now, what if I looked in the mirror and then just walked out of the house and forgot that I, my hair looked like I'd been fried by an electric socket? <laughs> all day long, I'd walk around and people would be like, uh, you all right, Pastor, what's wrong? Like, and, and the Bible is saying that's what we do. We get up and sometimes we, we may open it for a moment and, and it shows us something in the mirror. Hey, you could really do better in that relationship and then we put it down and walk away and we don't want to, we want to forget about that. And then we wonder why months later the relationship's in a bad place. Because we looked at the word but then we set it down and we walked away from it. We didn't like what the mirror showed us. Or we look at the word and, and it says something about our generosity and then we set it down and we want to look at that so we walk away from it and then we wonder why our finances aren't under the blessing of God. And It's because we looked at it like a mirror but then we immediately forgot what it looks like, but whoever looks intently, I love that word intently. It's the idea of hunger. It's the idea of I'm leaning into it, into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. They will be, listen to this, this is the promise of God over your life. They will be blessed in what they do. Whoever eh, hungry for it, God, I'm a I just wanna get into it. What do you wanna to say to me today, God? What do you wanna to say to me next day? What do you wanna, not my life is falling apart. I better, God, what do you wanna to say to me? No, every day, I don't want my life to get to a place where it's falling apart. So I wanna get into the word. I wanna open up to a proverb a day and say, God, give me some wisdom for this day. I need to know some wisdom for this day. So speak to me. And I, I wanna know what you were saying to the church. And I wanna know what you were saying in the Old Testament. God, I wanna dig intently into it. And then as I read the word, the word will read me. And I won't want to forget what it says. I want to do it. Because when I do, what did he say? You'll be blessed in what they do. 
God's not trying to put another arbitross around your neck. He's trying to get you to bless him. He's not trying to, you know, get you out of bed earlier in the morning because he's up and figures everybody else should be too. No, he's trying to lead you to blessing because if you'll daily stand in front of this mirror, if you'll spend more time in front of this mirror than you do in front of this mirror, then you'll be blessed. If you'll stand here and go, God, show me, show me inconsistencies. Show me where I can get better. Show me where you're thrilled with what I'm doing. If you'll spend some time in front of this mirror, hungry to get in front of it. First thing, jump out of bed. I gotta get in front of this mirror. I'm halfway through my day. I'm not feeling all right. I'm feeling out of, I gotta get in front of this mirror. Before I go to bed, I gotta get in front of this mirror. I don't know how many times a day, but at least sometime during the day, I gotta get in front of this mirror because I want to look intently. You know, when you're in a shopping store, come on, you know, you're in a mall and like you're walking around, they got mirrors everywhere, right? Because if you throw on a jacket or something, y'all know you do it. You're like walking around, there's a mirror, you're like. You know what I'm saying? You're like walking around, you see a mirror, you're like, you're talking to somebody and all of a sudden you're like, just checking, just a little quick look. Don't let that be your time in the word. Don't let it be like, look intently into the perfect law and continue in it. And it'll bring you freedom and it'll bring your blessing. How do I look intently? Let me give you some real practical things to look intently. Number one, get you a Bible. I'm serious. Get you a Bible. If you don't have one, Reach out to us, I'll send you one for free. Get you a Bible. Get a set time every day. A set time. A set time every day that you're gonna look intently. Every day at this time, I'm gonna get in front of the mirror. Get you a set time, get you a Bible, and then get you a pen. And as the mirror speaks to you, as you read the word and the word reads you, write down what it says. And I'm just telling you, if you'll do that over the next 30 days, I promise you in a month, your life will be better. Let alone if you do it the next three months, the next six months, the next one year. If you'll let this be the loudest voice in your life, you will be blessed. Promise you, guarantee you, bank on it. How do you know that? because the word said so. And I can take it to the bank. Will you pray with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed, no matter where you're tuning in from. You know, the very first thing that I said is that we should have an attitude of gratitude because it's the word that showed us our need for Jesus. And here's what the word says. It says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. That God has this beautiful gift that he wants to give you. That you don't have to live your life far from God. You don't have to live your life wondering, I hope one day my good outweighs my bad. I hope 
one day it all works out for me. You don't have to live life like that. It's not even how it works. The Bible says that the wages of our sin, and we all have that, that's not a condemning statement, it's the reality of the human condition, that we're all sinners, we all miss the mark. We're not mistakers who make mistakes, we're sinners who sin. And this is why Jesus came, it's the whole reason he came. Sure, did he feed the poor? Sure, did he give a cup of cold water? Yeah, he did all that. But the reason he came was to seek and to save the lost. All the other stuff was just extras. His primary purpose was this message of the gospel, that the lost might be found, that you, you personally, might know what it is to have peace with God. And the way that he did it was through dying on a cross, shedding his blood, to pay the penalty of our sin. And the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, in other words, he's in control, and we believe in our heart, the resurrection, that God raised Jesus from the dead, we shall be saved, we will be saved. Not based on my word, but based on God's word. And so if that's you today, if you'd say, Pastor, I know in my heart I'm far from God. I know that I'm distant. Maybe, maybe you're, you're watching and you're like, well, I've always been a Christian, but I'm far from God. Maybe it's a label you would carry, but you know in your heart you don't know Jesus. Then today I wanna to give you the opportunity to pray a simple prayer. There's nothing in the prayer, it's just you coming to the realization and expressing to God that he's Lord, and that he, you believe he raised Jesus from the dead and on the authority of God's word you will be saved. We're gonna pray it out loud together here in the room. We want you to pray if you're watching online, if God's speaking to you. If that's you, once you pray this prayer with me, just say, Jesus, I need you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I believe you died for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. Today, I make you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, if you just made that decision, we wanna know about it. It's the best decision you'll ever make. And couple of ways you can do that. Number one, um, I'm asking you to do both. One, if you would just in the chat right now, let us know. Just say, I just prayed that prayer. We would love to know. We'll celebrate that with you. And then I want you to get out your mobile device and, and do this for me. Text the keyword LCS to 94,000. Several years ago, I wrote a book called Fully Alive, and it's all about this journey of faith. And we talk about everything in there from God's word to next step. What is water baptism? How do I know my purpose? All kinds of things. I wanna put that in the mail to you this week. And so if you would right now, no matter where you are in the world, we'll stick it in the mail to you this week. Let us know that text LCS to 94,000 and we will get that out to you next week. Next week, week three, rattled. We're gonna continue looking at what James has to say to us. Super practical. If you found today's message helpful, feel free to rate, review, or even share it with a friend. Also wanna encourage you to think about partnering with us, you know, together through your giving, we can take this message around the world and make a difference in the lives of so many people. Thanks again for joining us today. If you would like to partner with us, you can do so by clicking the link in the description, visiting lifepoint.org give, or via text messaging on your mobile device. Just text the dollar amount of your gift and keyword LifePoint to 45777. Thank you for your generosity. We can do so much more together than we ever could apart.